so that love could have its perfect work in us. God, I bless your people. I pray, God, today as I share your word, that it will truly find its mark inside of each and every one of our hearts. That, God, we would come closer to you through your word, through our conscious decision, Lord God, to yield our will and our ways, Father God, to your will and your ways. In Jesus' mighty and precious name and all the people of God said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Stay in an attitude of worship. We are going to light our fourth candle of our Advent wreath this uh, Christmas season called the love candle. But I want to share with you that uh, through the Christmas season we talk about Advent. And of course, uh, it's, it's simple, but yet it's profound when you think about uh, just this cyclic telling of the story of Jesus and what he brought to us in this season through the Advent uh, wreath. When you think about uh, the light, you know, lighting each candle, that the light that um, uh, on the candle of hope and then the candle of peace and the candle of joy and today it'll be the candle of love is to understand that, that uh, darkness covered this earth. As a matter of fact, that's what the angels even proclaimed that a great light has shone for all, the, for all mankind to see. And we know that his star, you know, by the way, how many of you love this backdrop this year? Come on now, right? Isn't it beautiful? Well, we were trying to figure out because when we took our cross down, we have a bracket back here that holds the cross. And uh, my son, Wade, he's like, you know what we could do? We could get like the North Star and put it up there uh, above all the banners. I'm like, that's a really good idea. So he went and found that star and and uh, hung that up there. But I want to say that, that that star that it shone in that time was a star that was shining over love coming into the earth. And that's what Advent really is. is it's like you got to think that they were expecting the Messiah to come. They had an expectation and that when we celebrate Christmas, we should all have an expectation of Christ coming in our life, love coming into our life greater than it has before. Even if we're following Christ, we all know that we can follow him even greater, amen? That we can become even more like him. That we can love a little bit more like Christ each and every day of our life, amen? We don't have to wait for Christmas to love people around us, isn't that right? Are you all with me this morning? Amen? We don't have to look, well, next Christmas I'll love just a little bit more. No, may this Christmas set, right, uh, if you will, uh, for us, a new clock that says each and every day I'm going to wake up and I want to walk in a little bit more of Christ's love. Amen. Listen to what Zephaniah 3.17. How many ever read the book of Zephaniah? I figured that was the case. Zephaniah. Say Zephaniah. See, now you're going to have to go and read that book through the Christmas season. By the way, it's not a really long book. It's not like saying, hey, you need to go read the book of Isaiah. And you're like, oh, dear Lord. I cannot get that done through the Christmas season. You could, but Zephaniah would not be that hard for you to read. Listen to what Zephaniah 3.17 says. It says, the Lord your God is with you. You ever heard that before? The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Your God is fighting your battles for you. If you'll allow him, he will go before you and he'll be your rear guard. He will fight your battles for you. The warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. When you think of God, do you understand 
what level of delight he takes in you. And the reason that he takes that delight in you is because of how much he loves you. It is an everlasting love that God loves you with. Listen to this. He will take delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you. Now watch this. I want you to hear this one word here because it's not how people often think about God. But it says in Zephaniah there, it wraps that part up. His love for you, he will rejoice. That means he'll have joy over you with singing. How many of you on a daily basis, when you think about God in your life, think about God singing over you? Dads, how many of you have ever, when you held your babies for the first time and you, you were raising your kids and you started singing over your kid, you started singing a song to them? Moms, how many of you have ever sung a song over your children, especially when bedtime comes? Right? Why do you do that? You know, I'm going to tell you that uh, my daughter, Danielle, if she possibly watches online or sees this, she'll probably be like, oh, my God. But for each of my kids, I sang over all of them, and I kind of developed a song for each of them. Now, I never thought about it until I read this one day that, wow, man, I'm not doing anything that God hasn't already done over me. That I, I don't even know that I'm acting in the character of my heavenly father in the fact that when I held my children and I would sing a song over them and I would make it unique to them. That God sings a song over you. He knows you intimately. He delights in you and he sings over you, rejoices over you with, with singing. And I would sing to Danielle. And this is the way it goes. And I'm, I'm not, a, Angie's shaking her head, don't do it. No, don't do it. I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't care, uh, you know, what is it? Um, I'm a fool for Christ. Never, right? I'll be a fool for Jesus. I'll bear a little bit of the just personal stuff there to hopefully inspire you. You will always be your daddy's girl. You will always be your daddy's girl. And I will love you for the rest of your life. I will pray and I will care I will watch and that anyway I'm gonna stop there I don't sing really well but for her you got to understand looking up with the light in her eyes I love my kids I think about that the love that I have for my children how much love does God have for each and every one of us and I think back on that and then I get to the day to where I get to do the the daddy-daughter dance at her wedding What's the matter with me? Gee <laughs> whiz. I'm, I'm there, and we're dancing, and we're chit-chatting a little bit. And there was a point in her ear, and I just began to sing to her. You will always be. And I already had to talk about, you know, now you're Jeremiah's and so on and so forth, right? I get that. But you will always be. And I began to sing that, and she just like, and buried her face in my, Dad, you're going to ruin my mascara. Now I'm doing it with my grandchildren. And it's, it's an interesting thing to think about our God taking that kind of delight in us that, that he would rejoice over us with singing. Now this Christmas season, I would ask that you 
Really, really, really let that seed of God's word go deep into your heart and that you would begin to maybe interact with God and ask him as we move toward the coming year, God, would you, would you reveal to me, would you let me hear the words that you sing over me? There's something about the intimacy of that that brings us to a greater understanding of God's love for us. Can I get an amen here as we light the, the love candle this morning? I'm going to have a blowtorch next year. <laughs> Zephaniah 3.17, if you didn't get that written down, Zephaniah 3.17 is where that's at. Today I want to talk to you, as we reflect on Advent love, I want to talk to you about a New Testament love. When we think about the Old Testament, the, the law, the prophets, when we think about the Old Testament, we know that Jesus said that the law was weak in that it gave birth to sin. It actually caused us to realize that we were sinners. And we see how far short of God that we fall. His character, his holiness, we fall so far short of that. And in a sense, um, it, it causes condemnation to rise in our hearts. And, and, and the harder we would try to keep the law, we, as we read the word of God, we find out that even if I fall short in one, I'm guilty of it all, then what, what, why even try? If I'm guilty of it all because out of all of the laws of God, by the way, the law only reflects his holiness and his character, how amazing, how extraordinary, and how infinite God is. And when we reflect on that, it's like I cannot measure up to that. And the the more we reflect on that and you come across that if I'm guilty of one, then I'm guilty of all of it, why even try? And then all of a sudden, we're in that place of condemnation. Now, understanding that the Bible says the law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. How many know what a schoolmaster is? It's a teacher, right? It's a master teacher. It's the best teacher you could possibly have to help you understand how to go about something. Amen? Amen? And here is the law, and it's our schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. How is it the schoolmaster? It brings us to the point of understanding the number one truth of our life, and that is we need a Savior. The day that as you, as you read the Old Testament, you're reading through the Old Testament, you come to that conclusion, it's like, I can't do this. How is it even possible then? Through Christ and Christ alone. The law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. Why? I understand. I can't do this for myself. I need a Savior. Is there a Savior out there? Is there a Savior? Is there somebody who will save me, as Paul the Apostle said, from the wretched man that I am? Yeah, there is. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he is the love of God sent into this earth. He is God, Emmanuel, God with us, but it is love coming into the earth so that we might be redeemed from the curse, come on, of the law, the curse of sin and death, the law which reveals sin and death, that all of a sudden we come to that place and we are open then to say, I need a savior. Is there one out there? Yes, his name is Jesus. Hey man, I'll take him. And when, when your heart opens up like that, all of a sudden you move from a place of condemnation to conviction to make a decision that then opens you up to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, and the truth of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it 
changes you. It transforms you from the inside out. Could I get an amen if you remember the day you gave your life to Christ? If you remember that day, you know the moment that something inside of you changed and you knew that a burden lifted off of you and that you were not living under condemnation, but rather you were invited in to that relationship. You were redeemed, you're reconciled to God in relationship, all because of his love. Listen, if you will, to um, what a New Testament love looks like then. This is what God's love looks like toward us question is, is it being formed in us and can we show that same kind of love towards others? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Listen to this. Where there be prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. How about that? Think about that. Love never fails, but all those other things, like if I could have knowledge and if, if I could just know the future, if I, if I could have all these kind of things, then I would be good to go. No, love is the greatest thing you can ever have because it never fails. How many times have we ever come to a point in our life to where we think we know something and we want to make sure that somebody else knows that, but somehow we don't show them love in the midst of telling them the truth that we feel like we've come across? You hear me, saints? I know that, that when we come to that place, right, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. So I would say this to you, that the more you learn about Christ, understand that if you're not becoming like him, then what happens is, is that you'll represent the law. You will not, not represent a New Testament love. God loved in the Old Testament, but his righteous requirement was very clear and there was, there was um, consequences for not keeping the law. And in the New Testament, the manifestation of grace is that God has invited us into this loving relationship that we have an opportunity, what the Bible calls, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling unto God. What is that work out? Say work out. Anybody ever work out? How many of you are already making your new, right? Hey, by the way, we get into that series in the new year called Redo. How many of you are thinking about a redo in your physical exercise? Everybody, look, not everybody does, but most people think about, all right, in the new year, I'm going to lose 15 pounds, and I'm going to go to the gym every day. Do you know that the gyms love, they absolutely love December? You know why? Because people get memberships. They get paid for about two months, and every gym, for the most part, requires you to give 30 days, so they know the first quarter is going to be their best quarter as a gym. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I want to say to you that, that as you think about those things, the physical things in your life that you might redo, I want to ask you if you'll think about the spiritual things in your life. And that you'd use Christmas as a guide. That you'd use the things that you reflect upon regarding the story of Christ and God sending his love into this earth. And you'd use it as your guide coming into the new year. And I would say every single year, evaluate that. Make a plan. 
Make a plan to read the Bible. Make a plan to pray. Make a plan to worship. Make a plan to hang out with other believers, you know, friends that are close to you that can encourage you. That can Listen, they can challenge and encourage you because you know that they love you. Come on now. See, the people that I listen the most to are the ones that I know love me. They can say, you know, the encouraging things to me, but they can also say the things that challenge me to live just a little bit more like Jesus. Amen? I think we call that accountability. Make a plan. You know, as you, how many plan your vacations? How many of you just like, up oh, and I'm heading on vacation right now? You know that you got to plan it because you have to give your boss notice. No, no, I own my own business. Yeah, well, you have to make sure everything's shored up for your employees, don't you? You have to make a plan, correct? And I want to tell you that if you don't work God into your plan for your life, he's not going to be there. You get to the end of the year, your year and you'll find out like, man, I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. Don't wish. Make a plan so that you find yourself through the year and by the end of this next year reflecting what it is you celebrate at Christmas. Amen? The love of Christ. Let me give you four words. I've done this many times in, in, in our church here, but, but I'm going to do it again as a, as a strong reminder. that Four words that we find in the New Testament. Storge, philea, um, eros, and agape. Storge, the familial kind of love, like Mary and Martha to Lazarus. A strong bond, you know, like a, a family bond, like a brother and a sister, or a brother and a brother, or you know, you could even say like a father to their children or a mother to their children and so on. Philea, brotherly love, a devoted friendship. How many of you have, you know, a handful of good close friends that you know at, at the drop of a hat if you're going through something, you could pick up the phone and call them and they're there. That's what that love is. Not everybody will do that. But the ones who will do that have a deep, devoted friendship to you. Eros, or romantic love, uh, the kind of love that, that should only exist between a husband and wife. I don't need to expound, right? <laughs> I just had a thought. Some of the husbands were like, yeah, expound on that just a little. <laughs> Agape, selfless, sacrificial, devoted, committed, unconditional. Let me read that again. Selfless, sacrificial, devoted, committed, unconditional. That is the kind of love that God showed towards us in sending his son into this earth for the one purpose, to die on the cross, to take our sins upon himself, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Don't take it for granted. The unconditional love of God is a beautiful thing. And you're not just meant to receive it, but you're meant to become a uh, uh, purveyor of it you're meant to give it to other people around you amen so i want to give you three specific areas here um, that i think concerning love i'll call them the let's you know number one let's receive love this christmas let's receive this new testament kind of love this christmas first john 5 1 through 5 says everyone who believes that jesus is the christ or jesus is the christ is born of god and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands 
are not burdensome. I think sometimes we can approach walking in the love of God as being a burden to us, but it's not. If you really tap into the love of Christ in your life, I promise you it will not burden you. It will free you. Amen? For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The only way to overcome the love of the world, the only way to overcome all the distractions of the world is to allow the love of Christ to fill your heart, amen? How do we receive that love of God then? How is it that we receive his love? Well, 1 John 4, 7 says that, number one, God is love. Acknowledge that he is love, first and foremost. Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the assurance of what we hope for. If we hope for that kind of love, we have to acknowledge the one that is love and where love comes from. And then in that, have a hope that we can receive that. Christ came into this world. That's why we light these candles. He is the hope of the world. He's your hope that you can walk in God's love. And Romans 10 says, 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you read the word of God, the more convinced you'll become. In other words, the, the greater your faith will become in what God's able to do in your life if you'll give him the opportunity, if you'll invite him to work in your life. He's, he's a gentleman, see? God won't barge in. How many of you, uh, and I know that we have some Second Amendment folks in this room. Do I need to expound on that? You all know what I mean by Second Amendment? If somebody just barged in your house, how many of you would be fine with that? And just come walking right on in and, and take whatever you want and hurt whoever you want. and You hear where I'm coming from? None of us would be okay with someone coming in to do harm. But I want you to understand that God does not come to do harm. But I want you to know that we stand in this place of the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And oftentimes we'll let him in a whole lot easier than we let God in. That was a pretty deep sigh. When we think of the works of the flesh and we allow those in, what we're doing is our free will, we're extending that invitation rather than extending the invitation for God to come in and we fellowship with him and become like him through that fellowship, amen? The second thing, let's walk in love this Christmas. Let's receive God's love this Christmas and let's walk in love this Christmas. Mark 12, 30 uh, through 31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Somebody say, all of me. <laughs> all of me. You know, it's like, hey, just, just your mind. I'm good with just your mind. No, God wants all of you. He wants you to love him that way because he loves you that way. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, is what Jesus said. So if we want to walk in love, it's really rather simple, although it's not easy. The simplicity of it is, is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. The second one is the hardest one that we face because, you know, we interact with people physically. We see them, we, you know, they do something that we may not like, or they hurt our feelings, or... They offend us. 
And I want you to know that not one of us sitting in this room or watching online today are free of offending God with certain choices that we've made with our life. Yet, at Christmas, God sent his son into the earth to be loved towards mankind, to light that dark place of the world where there was not love and bring love so that the world could be changed. Amen? So how do we do that? By obedience, we follow his commands. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be obedient to God. That takes action, but it takes his power. You can't do it in and of your own strength. Be obedient to God, but know that you have to invite the Holy Spirit. Would you come, Holy Spirit, help me to walk in your power to be obedient to the word of God. Number three, let's go and give love this Christmas. So receive the love of God, walk in the love of God, and give the love of God this Christmas. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right here it comes. And teaching them to obey, here's that, obey, everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's with you. But think about this, that what it's saying. Oh, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. Teach them to walk in love. Watch this. Um, go and make disciples. Uh, teach them how to receive the love of God. And when you teach them how to receive the love of God for themselves, also teach them that they need to take that love and go and give it to their neighbor. They need to go and give it to others. Amen? When you think about it, Everywhere you go, you're going somewhere, you're going shopping, you're going to work, you're going to some family dinners this holiday season, amen? Some of you are going to have some crazy aunts and uncles there, and it's going to be a little difficult, you know, on that love side because, you know, there's, there's old hurt feelings or something that might come up. I'm, I'm begging you, deal with that stuff, deal with the offense, deal with the hurt feelings, deal with the issues. So that you can show the love of Christ and what we read out of 1 Corinthians, that character. Where you can be long-suffering, you can be kind, right? Temperate towards them. Merciful, right? Showing forgiveness towards them. That you can walk in the fruit of the Spirit and the love of Christ towards them. Now, before I wrap up here, I got a, a few more thoughts to share. And we're going to receive communion this morning. But before I do that, I want to ask this. So, so by, by voice in this room, how many of you know that God loves you? Give me an amen. amen. How many would say that you love God? Give me an amen. amen. Now, I want to pose something to you. Something I read a long time ago. A woman who was praying and God said to her, he said, if you were handicapped, would you still love me? Looked down at her legs, her hands and feet, you know, and, and just thought to herself, like, that would be rough. That would be rough, Lord, but yeah, I would, I would say I would still love you. And then, and then the Lord spoke to her, if you were blind, would you still love me? 
would you still see the beauty of my creation all around you? And she thought, well, God, it would be kind of hard to see the beauty of your creation all around me if I was blind. But, but yeah, I would like to say that, Lord, yes, still, I would love you. If you were deaf, would you still listen to my word? Well, Lord, it would be kind of hard to listen to your word if, if I was deaf. And then as she thought, it was, well, how many, then she started processing how many blind people, how many deaf people, how many handicapped people that are in our world today that have a faith in Christ, and yet how are they able to do that? If they can't see God's creation and they can't hear his word, begin she realized, you know, the Bible talks about hearing with your heart. You don't just hear with your ears, but you hear with your heart. Now, I would submit to you that as God asks us if we love him, and we reflect on, well, what is my expression of love back to God for all the shortcomings that could be in my life here's the thing about the prophecies concerning Jesus out of Isaiah and we see it in Luke as well he'll give sight to the blind hearing to the deaf the lame will walk right it's the lame will walk the blind will see the deaf will hear and we know that physically he restored sight um, physical you know ability for those that were lame to walk physical ability for people's ears to be opened up But I submit to you that outside of any of the physical ailments or shortcomings that mankind, and I've given you some of the extremes of that, the reasons why it would be hard to love God or hard to follow God. I mean, I get to open the Bible and read it every day because I have sight, physical sight. I get to hear wonderful worships. I get to be a part of a worship service and hear the expression of worship from God's people. I get to stand on my feet and I kind of, you know, I don't dance necessarily, but I'm kind of dancing when I do that little pace up here and lift my hands. And What about a person that has no arms? What do they do to lift their, you know, lift up your hands and magnify the Lord, the Bible says. How do they do it? They don't have the limbs to do it, you know. Dance before the Lord. Somebody that's lame doesn't have the, the legs to do it. But yet, I submit to you, The true worship of God and a true love for God does not originate in the physical, but it originates in the heart. Let that settle for a second. That God's able to reach through all of our shortcomings and love us. He's able to reach through all the darkness and love us. And I would say if you want to experience Christmas in all of its wonder, that you got to get your eyes off the physical just a little bit. And you got to love God from your whole heart, your whole mind. And when you think all your strength, what, is, what strength are you capable of? And I would say that the person that may not have legs or arms or sight or hearing might be able to express from their heart a love for God a little bit easier than the rest of us if they come into that relationship with God because they don't look to the physical 
they understand that they are made with a soul and that we worship God, right? We're born again in spirit, but we worship God with all our being, if you will. And what goes on in the inside becomes the expression on the outside. Can you say amen? That receive his love in your life. Walk in it, meaning uh, talking about that from a mental, emotional, right? Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Assert your will by arresting your emotions, by training your mind in the word of God, and love God like you've never loved God before. Can you say amen? I'll close with this thought. By going to share the love of Christ with others, we experience it most times greater than we do and it's just, you know, our interaction with God. When we share the love of Christ and we see the impact it makes on someone else in our life, we walk away with that going, man, that, that was, God did that. I, I could never do that. No, but God can do it through you if you'll go and make yourself available to share the story. As the Bible says, how will they know unless one tells them how beautiful, say how beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We need the love of, we need the love of God in our world today probably more than we ever have. And he sent love at Christmas and I would say if we reflect upon that love and look for opportunities to give it, it might just make our world a little bit better. Amen? So let's receive it, let's walk in it, and let's give it. Amen? Darcy, would you come this morning and play the keys? And I want to encourage you that Advent, there's the first coming of Christ, and Advent, the second coming of Christ. When we take communion, we reflect back on the first coming that Christ came and he went to the cross and he paid the price for our sins. The second coming, that he's coming back in all of his glory and splendor to receive us uh, into his presence forevermore. The Bible says that we'll worship, by the way, when we sing and we worship God, we'll worship around the throne day and night is what the Bible says. Worship's not going away when you get to heaven. You hear what I'm saying? If anything, it's going to increase. So you might as well get used to it now. Amen. And so this morning as we prepare our hearts, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, get your element, if you'll go ahead and get the wafer ready. Some of you might want to get that, the juice kind of peeled back just slightly. You've got to be careful, it'll jump out and spill on you. The Bible talks about not taking or observing the blood and the body of Christ unworthily. And here's what I know. I'm not perfect. Traffic through Denver is a, a great reminder of that for me. <laughs> it sounds funny, but I'll be honest, and even though I share it oftentimes and I make it like it's funny, I'm always on a, I'm going somewhere and you know, I never have enough time. But the reality is, is that I've got to learn to rest in the love of Christ and not have wrong feelings towards people even if they cut me off in traffic. Come on now. Who feels my pain on that one? So some folks have the same, you know, temptation to sin. And I got to say, there's times I sin like, you jerk. Like, did that just come out of my mouth? Nope, it came out of my heart. Hmm. It couldn't manifest physically unless it was in there internally. And I do, you know. I'll go Larry the Cable Guy on it just a little bit. 
Lord, forgive me for that right there. But at some point, it's got to really connect if there's going to be true repentance so that the power of God can transform me. So when we were being exhorted out of Corinthians that we're not to take the body and the blood of Christ unworthily, that we are to reflect or have introspection and evaluate our life. That story I shared with you about the woman who was praying and God saying those things. And out of her conclusion, out of every single one, the blind, the deaf, the lame, you know, the handicapped, out of every single one of those, she concluded with God, yeah, I would like to say, yes, I would love you. I still would love you. And here was God's final statement to her, then why do you sin? Why do you continue to sin? And at that, her story, she says she just broke and began to weep because she realized that God's son was sent into this earth for the purpose of dying for sin. Not only that, though, that he would take the keys of hell and death. He would give us eternal life and that he would raise in resurrection power and that when we give our life over to him, that same, the Bible says, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal bodies when you come to Christ. So when we reflect, all it takes is it's that little step first in our hearts and in our minds and it'll start to manifest physically and that is this. Father, forgive me for my sins. Remember, I've taught you that repentance is not punishment. Repentance is a gift. Over and over, God invites you that you can repent and continue to come to Him and walk closer with Him today than you did yesterday, tomorrow than you do today, and on and on. So if you bow your heads for a moment, I'm going to ask you, the greatest gift, receive God's love today. Because if there's sin in your life, the thing is, it can make you walk in condemnation and feel like you just don't measure up. God wants you to know that he loves you with an everlasting love. Come on. He's delight in you and he sings over you today. And it's a song of love over you that he sings today. So right now, heads bowed, eyes closed, whatever that is, I want to pray over you before we take communion. Father, right now in Jesus' name, for all of us in this room watching online, It is my prayer, Father, that as we go through this Christmas season, that as as Warren exhorted us in the first messages of this series, that those sins and those weights that so easily trip us up and entangle us, God, beset us, they keep us from going where you've called us to go. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now that your people, as we receive communion in a moment, that it will experience by the broken body of Jesus Christ that every sickness in their body would be removed, that God, the stripes that he took on his back was for every disease that mankind knows. Lord, the, the punishment and the chastisement in his flesh, the Bible says for our trans, he was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised for our transgressions and our, and, and, and our, our iniquities, God. It is my prayer this morning, Father, as they identify those things that they know and you know, others may not know, but as they identify them, God, that the greatest gift they receive this Christmas season is, God, a unwavering knowledge, an unwavering conviction, Lord God, that you love them with an everlasting love, and those things do not change, God, how you want to pour your love into their life. 
So Father, as we've identified those things in our lives right now, we give them to you, knowing that Jesus hung on the cross to wash our sins away. And Lord, may we march into this new year with a revival in our hearts, living and desiring you more than we have, Father, in our past so that, God, you can shine through us and others can know. May we receive your love, God. May we walk in your love, Lord, so that we can go and give your love to others. In Jesus' name. Now look up here. I don't know what it was for you, but all do I pray that you experience God's power. And as we take communion together, nothing in the elements, but they, re- they represent what Christ did for you, and it's all about your faith in him. Amen? Now listen to this out of Matthew 26, 26 through 27. It says, while they were... Can't see. Got prisms going on with the tear. While they were eating, which, uh, eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, break your bread, and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this this is my body then he took the cup gave thanks and he offered it to them saying drink from it all of you for our church that it gets to be a part of the harvest more than it has in the past and it is my prayer that God's love will rest in your homes in this coming year like it's never rested in your homes before but you got to go after it amen amen listen I have a, an announcement to make um, Jane Amy would you come to the platform so before you all get all worked up I'm going to say that there are seasons in life I've said this before uh, we've had quite the transition in our staff and I want you to know it, it can cause you to say well what's going on say life life happens changes come people have children and jobs and for Jay businesses <laughs> three of them to be exact you're not thinking about a fourth are you you know, I think on uh, Largo, Florida, and and in this work, and Angie and I have been running a hundred. We're running faster than we've ever run before, and uh, there are just times where you're like, you know, oh sleep, where have you gone? <laughs> you know, and it gets rough. Jay and I were talking just over, kind of as we do this this morning. Um, he said, "Look, Pastor, here's the thing. Like, you know, you know, I've never carried Visine around in my bag." just so that when I go see people, you know, I, my eyes aren't bloodshot. And so I reached in my bag and I went like this. <laughs> but let me tell you, man, there's times where you really give so much of your life. Now think about it this way. He's got three businesses. One of them is in Pueblo. The other, two of them's in Pueblo. One of them's here. So you started two businesses down there or you moved one down there. Moved one, but still that's, that's like starting two businesses. So in that, when he did that, I said to him, 
are you going to be able to do all of that and continue to, to leave? He goes, yeah, man, I got it. And, and I have to say, there was times you walked in here, I'm like, bro, man, you look, you look tired, you know? You go, you do too. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> but here's the deal. I want to respect people and the changes that, that may come in their life. Because uh, Jay's given, Jay and Amy have given five years to reach church. And how many of you could say that's faithfulness? Yeah, that's faithfulness. And uh, how many military people do we have in here by an amen? A few. How many of you know that, that, uh, it, that there's an aspect of that to where there's a changing of the guard sometimes? And there's a shifting of things because uh, you get battle weary. And so he's being a king for his family, plundering the earth to provide. And his businesses are the, that's the lion's share of all of that. And he's been part-time staffed here. And so, you know, that, that was a little bit, but that's not enough to support your family on. And so, um, so in that, as Jay, you know, they went on a vacation and really prayed through things and they came back and they told me, I'm like, dude, you can't do this to me. What's the matter with you? You know? No, I just said, Jay, I can respect that you need to make that decision for your family. But he said, look, pastor, I'm not dropping everything. I want to make sure that the church gets to transition. And uh, so I do, I appreciate that, that he's working with the team and we're doing that. Um, I want to allow you to share for a moment your heart, you know, about your season here. Do you have a, you might have to grab your mic. First of all, we love you guys, Amy and I. And we are so thankful that you've allowed us to serve in the capacity we've been able to serve for the last five years. The last year has been tough. It's been busy. Uh, along with the three businesses, we have two new grandbabies and five kids and two son-in-laws. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I get <laughs> that. Yeah. And, and Ben, the dog. So, <laughs> he's a lot. <laughs> uh, we love you guys, really. And uh, we'll, still, we'll still be around. We're not leaving. We're not moving out of town. Can you give him a hand clap? Oh, you can put that back. No, I don't want that. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. Um, they're not leaving now. I mean, that'll that'll be a number of weeks down the road. And Jay's dedicated to the team. Even if, you know, we need him to come out on Thursday night and help us in practice and stuff, he'll still do that to help the team. Uh, we will, um, which I have things I've talked to Jay about shaping. Uh, we, need a, we need a full-time worship director or pastor here um, we, we would never have been able to pay Jay enough to support his family but uh, I will say that that's what we're moving towards and we're looking at how we can do that uh, the board has looked at that with me and we're putting together a salary package we have the job description that'll be posted soon so um, obviously we couldn't post that we put that out on Facebook and you're like wait what's going on where's Jay going you needed to know from us that that's a transition but we will be looking for um, a, a pastor. Again, I say worship director because there may be a great worship director out there that just wants to lead worship, but they don't want to pat, you know, like they want to sit down and counsel people or any of that kind of stuff, right? So we're open to either one of those, and we'll be walking that out, that process, and the search for that will go on the board. We'll work together for that. Um, if you have questions, you're more than welcome to come. I mean, we've shared with you where our heart's in this. Um, but we understand that sometimes there can be 
questions that come up, please, you know, set up an appointment with me, give me a phone call, and I'd be more than happy to, to answer those questions. But the number one thing I ask you to do is to recognize their seasons in people's lives and to allow them that latitude and freedom and grace that they can pursue what's in their heart to do. And it's not abandonment, it's not rejection, that it's just a change. And so for, for us as leaders of the church, uh, can I say I, I hate change like this? Can, is that okay if I say that? Uh, because it's big change and it takes some really hard work to find the, the right fit. But I covet your prayers for our leadership team that you be praying for us, for God to send the right fit, the right person for that. They will be full-time so that they can build the worship team more and also build worship for our, for our youth and young adult uh, for things that they want to do. Uh, Jay has uh, said that he'll come back for some retreats or stuff like that. So um, so he's not, you know, he's not going to get away completely. Um, kind of have a little... Uh, bungee cord attached to him or something like hey could you come back and do some retreats and things like that for a wise group or a men's group or even come back and do some guest worship and he said he's willing to do that so that's that's exciting that that'll be the case so would you stretch your hands out again they're not going but I still want to pray over them Heavenly Father I thank you so much for Jay and Amy their family Lord God all that they poured into uh, Reach Church Lord I ask your blessings Lord God upon them first Upon their family, Father, their extended family. I ask your blessings upon their business. I pray, God, that you would give Jay uh, great employees, Father, that you would anoint him, Father God, and grace him to be the best boss that he possibly can to those that work for him. And that God all would prosper and benefit from that. Uh, Lord God, of course, in the midst of that, all honoring you and giving you glory for what you're doing. So, Father, we as a congregation bless them as they go. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Enjoy your week.